Hi, and welcome to the China Business Minute, a roundup from our China offices of the most important developments from the past week, and a look forward to what's ahead. This week, we're going to have a catch up with the capital. So, Jake Parker is the vice president of China operations for the U.S. China Business Council, based in Beijing. Jake, thanks for taking some time. My pleasure, Ian. Okay, so I, I want to hit three topics today. First, the first quarter GDP numbers that are a little less gloomy than anticipated. Second, what you guys are looking for in a trade deal in terms of enforcement mechanisms, and last but not least, a bit of follow up on the foreign investment law. So let's start with GDP numbers. So at six point four percent growth for the first quarter, the Chinese economy did beat some economists' expectations for six point three percent growth.、Uh, any takeaways from you as to why the estimations were a little low? Well, the Q1 numbers were a little more positive than many people expected because China's government enacted a domestic stimulus to try and help with、uh, some of that economic growth. First of all, we saw the value-added tax cuts that were announced in March during the National People's Congress. We also had a personal income tax cut that came into effect at the beginning of last year, and what that did was it lowered the effective tax rate on the lower earners in the system. It also had the impact of shifting China's collection method to an accrual method, which unlocked take-home pay at the beginning of the year, but will increase taxes for many. Taxpayers towards the end of the year, so it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the Q4 numbers. We also saw that 84 million people were removed from the income tax rolls as a result of that tax change,、uh, and per capita disposable income was up 6.6 percent from Q1 of last year. Now, one of the spots that we need to keep an eye on in the coming year is private company investment. That rose 6.4 percent in Q1 2019, but if we compare that to Q1 of last year, that was almost 9 percent. So we are seeing some softening of optimism in that part of the economy, and that's something we need to keep an eye on going forward.、Uh, all right, then. So with trade negotiations still ongoing, enforcement is, is top of mind for a lot of our companies. So what kind of things are you going to be looking for in an agreement that would either be good or bad signs for strong enforcement mechanisms? So on the enforcement mechanism, what we'd like to see is measurable deliverables with specific implementation timelines. So that means not only indicating that a company would be allowed to operate in a sector, but ensuring that there's a specific finite timeline with which a license would be granted for that company to operate within that sector. That would be an example of the type of measurable deliverable we're looking for. We also want to see a sustainable long-term dialogue mechanism. That checks in on the progress that both sides have made as part of these commitments. That happens monthly, quarterly, bi-yearly at different levels within the two governments to ensure that both sides are seeing their actions enforced. Now, what would be a negative outcome is any unilateral enforcement mechanism that would allow either side to impose tariffs if they believed the other side was not faithfully implementing on their commitments. Now, based on some of the remarks from Secretary Mnuchin over the last week, we believe that to be less of a likelihood than it was in the past. Instead, it sounds like both sides will have a bilateral enforcement mechanism, which should allow、uh, for things to continue in a positive way going forward. Alrighty. So, last thing,、um, with the passage of the foreign investment law, the Chinese government actually asked some of our member companies for advice on the sort of specifics of implementing regulations around the law and how those might be written.、Uh, what have you heard from our members about that? 
Yes, that's right, Ian. Since the National People's Congress passed the foreign investment law in March, we've been soliciting specific recommendations from member companies on what they'd like to see in the follow-on implementing regulations of the foreign investment law that will be prepared by the Ministry of Commerce, the National Development Reform Commission, the State Administration of Market Regulation, and others between March and January 1st. 2020. And there are three main trends that we're seeing in the 17 submissions that we've received from member companies. The first is companies continue to be concerned about the definition of foreign investment. In the foreign investment law, it discusses indirect investment. It discusses other investors without clear definitions on what those are. So we'll be seeking additional clarity in our conversations with regulators in the coming weeks and months. Secondly, national treatment, which is obviously a very positive aspect of the foreign investment law, is something that some companies are still concerned about. They note that if they are not part of the negative list, then they should be treated the same as a domestic company. But it's not entirely, it's not entirely clear what the review and approval procedure should be for a foreign company that is not on the negative list, whether it's going to the Ministry of Commerce to file, whether it's going to the NDRC for project approval. Companies have also noted there are a significant number of regulations that need to be redefined to align with this new definition from the foreign investment law. For example, State Council Decree Number 10 talks about a foreign invested enterprise merging with a domestic company and the types of approvals that are associated with that. Now that that foreign investor is considered to be a domestic company, how does State Council Document Number 10 deal with that situation? These are the types of questions we'll be trying to address. Third, the foreign investment law eliminates the three current laws regulating foreign investment over a five-year period, which it allows for transition. Our companies are very concerned about what will happen when they transition from the previous regulations to the new foreign investment law. For example, under the joint venture law that is being eliminated in five years, joint ventures are only allowed to be set up for 20 years, and then they need to be renegotiated. How will that be changed under the foreign investment law uh, is unaddressed. Companies are also concerned about what liabilities they will be uh, have to face if they're unable to align with these changes during that five-year period. This, again, is something we'll be looking at. If companies are interested in submitting comments, they can reach out to anyone in all three of our offices to submit those. We'll be very happy to integrate them into the document we're working on now. All right. Again, that is Jake Parker, Vice President of China Operations for the U.S. China Business Council. Uh, if you or your company is interested in adding your comments for the foreign investment law implementing regulations, there is going to be some information in the description of this episode. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S.-China Business Council, and you can learn more on our website, uschina.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.